Turn in your Bible, please, to the book of Lamentations. It's a wonderful honor to be a preacher of the Word of God, to be able to go into the garden of God's wonderful flowers, vegetables, meat, and not only get blessed and get fed, but have the privilege of sharing with God's wonderful people and with those who have come to hear the Word of God, whatever your relationship to the Lord might be. Today I have felt impressed to speak on this theme that all of us are familiar with if we've been around very long as saved people. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. I read from Lamentations chapter 3, beginning with verse 20. I'd like to say we're in the midst of revival services at Riverside, the old Oak Forest Baptist Church, the old log church. Been having good services all week long. Last Sunday, Chris Butler preached. Monday night, Jerry Gifford. Tuesday night, Brother Buster Jordan. Wednesday night, Brother J.R. Monroe from Memphis at Mid-America Seminary. And on Thursday night, Brother Kevin Ham. And Friday night, Brother Chris Butler. I had the privilege of preaching there last night and again this afternoon. We've been having good services and God is blessed and I appreciate Brother Johnny and the work he is doing and the people that have been in Bible school and all the laborers and workers there. And we just ask you to pray. If you can at all come this afternoon, Sunday school is at 2.30, the afternoon preaching service at 3.30. You go out to Richardsville and then take that road and you go, you go on and on and on till you think you're going to get to heaven pretty soon but you don't go quite to heaven. You don't even go quite to the river, but you do go a long way back there. It takes about 30 minutes to get there. And I'd encourage you to come and be in that hot service this afternoon. It'll be a blessing. May we bow together in prayer before we study from the Bible. Our Father, we thank Thee for this time together this morning, for this sermon and song that Brother Jim gave us, and for the way our hearts have been blessed and excited as we've given our offerings to Thee, as we have sung praises to Thee, as we've shaken hands one with another so that we could say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Open the word now to us and may the Holy Spirit do His office work of conviction and draw people to the Lord Jesus. We ask it in his name, amen. Jeremiah is called God's weeping prophet. One day the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, who do men say that I the son of man am? They said, why, some people are saying you are Jeremiah. I wonder why they said that. You're Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah was the weeping prophet of the Old Testament. He's the man who had a broken heart. Isaiah tells us the Lord Jesus had a broken heart. Heart broken for the sins of the world, 
One day he stood over Jerusalem. He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered thee as a hen would gather chicks, but you would not. Jeremiah, five to six hundred years before the Lord Jesus came, was like a Jesus in the Old Testament. He stood over Jerusalem and he cried unto Jerusalem. For forty years he preached. And there were no conversions. There was no repentance. They hated Jeremiah. They persecuted him, put him in a dungeon. They tried to kill him. At the last, after the captivity, they took him down to Egypt. Tradition says they killed him there. Now I want you to visualize that man who had given 40 years of his life to preach to Jerusalem, to call that city back to God, the city that is called the holy city, God's city, the city of David, the city of the great king, the city where one day the Lord Jesus will reign as king of kings and lord of lords forever and forever. And here's Jeremiah trying to call Jerusalem to repentance. And he preaches and he preaches and he preaches and he preaches and in all of his preaching, they make fun of him, they jeer at him. Nobody pays any attention, nobody repents. They were set in their own ways. And finally in 585 BC, the Babylonian hordes come and surround the city for two years. And the city falls. And the choice people are taken into captivity. Among those that went into captivity were Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Jeremiah remains in Jerusalem, but now Jerusalem is sacked. The walls are burned. The temple is burned. There's nothing there but the trash and the heap of ashes. Jeremiah walks through what's, what, what was once the holy city, and he cries out, Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold and see. If there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, with which the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. Jeremiah writes in personifying the city of Jerusalem. And he says, all is over. It's all gone. Everything I preached for has perished. Everything I tried to accomplish has gone down the drain. And that once holy city is ravished like a lovely queen would be ravished and robbed of her virtue and purity. Well, with that in mind, some of us, when the calamities come, when the hardships come, when the trials come, the tough times come, and the finances are gone, our jobs gone, our families have disappointed us, and our friends have turned their backs and we don't know what to do. Sorrow has invaded our home. Sometimes we're tempted to shake our fist in God's face and say, if you're going to be like that, God, I won't have anything to do with you. Sometimes we're tempted to run. But like that man said in the song, where could I go but to the Lord? Sometimes we feel like throwing in the towel and quitting. I'm sure Jeremiah felt like that. In the 20th chapter of Jeremiah, he says he did. He wanted to quit, just quit on God. But God 
God's word was in his bones like a fire and he couldn't quit. Now, after all the tragedy and after all the hurt and the city is gone and there's no use in preaching anymore, the captivity has come and the judgment of God is upon the city. Jeremiah exercises great faith when he says in Lamentations 3 beginning with verse 20, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. My soul is humbled in me. Then this I recall in my mind, therefore have I hope. In the midst of hopelessness I have hope. In the midst of despair I am not going to be destroyed. It is because of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I heard a dear missionary, I think I've told you this story before. I heard her tell this story at the Moody Bible Conference years ago. During the crisis days in the Congo, the natives came and surrounded their little compound. The missionary husband went out and they murdered him right in front of the missionary lady's eyes. The missionary little boy was looking out the window and saw what they did to their daddy. Of course, they broke down in tears and wept. They cried. It hurt. And that missionary lady with great faith, you know, she could have just thrown in the towel. She could have gone into hysteria. She could have wrung her hands. She could have walked back and forth. She could have just said, well, I'm going to quit. I'm out here trying to serve God, and God does me that way. I'm just going to quit. She didn't do that. She got her little boy, and they got down on their knees. Those natives still out there, the ones that had killed her, her husband. And she began to pray. And she just prayed down a blanket of guardian angels around that house. She turned to that passage in Psalm 37. I've seen the wicked spreading himself like a great green bay tree. But then he was not. She asked God to intervene. God began to give her strength. She said to her little boy, you can wash your tears away. Your daddy's in God's hand. He's okay. And we're in God's hand too. And we're going to be okay. And she opened the door with great spiritual faith. And all those natives were gone. She learned two or three days later down in the village. She learned from somebody that had said this about the, those natives that were out there marauding, killing. They came back to the village and they told this story. They said, we went out there and killed that white man. We were going to kill his wife. We were going to, have, we were going to kill the little boy and have his wife. But he said, when we, turned, when we turned to go to the house, there was an army surrounding the house. And they had their spears and swords out. And we all ran for our lives. Who was that army? The army of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. 
She prayed down the power of God, the guardian angels of God. And I want to tell you, when we get to a place where we're going to quit, it seems like it's all in vain, and we can't get anything done, and we're defeated and discouraged. We need to be like Jeremiah when he walked through the heap of ashes that was Jerusalem. And he said, in the midst of all this, my spirit called to mind what God promised. And in this do I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Have any of you experienced that? Have any of you have gotten to a point where in life where you felt like you just couldn't go a step further? Couldn't go any further. Everything was just about over. You had tragedy on tragedy on tragedy come. Disappointment, failures, failures of others, failures of yourself. You felt like you couldn't go any further. And then you remembered what God said. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I have a long message prepared this morning, but I promise you I'm not going to make it long. I want to just hasten to say that the book of Lamentations is really five funeral poems. Commemorating the fall, the tragedy of Jerusalem. Jeremiah was a witness to the tragic end of that city. His heart was broken as he saw Jerusalem and the temple destroyed, prisoners taken, people gone to captivity in Babylon. And Jeremiah wept. We've often witnessed the tragedies of life, and sometimes we have wept. I want you to notice from this book the awfulness of God's judgment. When God brings judgments, an awful judgment. Judah was once a rich princess. She was suddenly and quickly deprived of all of that because of her sin. She had gone after false gods. She had put her faith and trust in false securities. And had said no when God said go. Been stubborn when God gave command. She sat still instead of going forward. And God had enough of it. And God brought judgment. I want to tell you, God brings judgment on his people. But the judgments of God are awful judgments. It's an awful thing to fall into the hand of a living God. Sin always brings tragedy and loss and hurt. You cannot get by with sin, no matter who you are. The lost folks, if they do not repent of sin and turn to faith in Jesus Christ, cannot get by with sin. They'll meet it at the judgment of God and they'll meet it for all eternity in an awful place Jesus called hell. But the saved, the Christian who sins, you lose it. You, 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 you meet it right here. You don't have to wait to eternity to meet it. Right here in life we face the judgment of sin. When a Christian sins, the world has a good time with us. They laugh at us. You say, ha ha, that's that guy who used to be a Christian, used to go to church. Look at the way he's living. That's that woman that had God, faith in God. Look what she's doing. People laugh at you. You lose your testimony. You lose your influence. You lose that vibrancy and glow and power about you and somebody meets you along the way. And they say, oh, that's that man that used to be. That's that woman that used to be. You see, you become a has-been. 
all because of sin. That's the way with Jerusalem. Jerusalem was under the judgment of God, the awful judgment of God because of sin. But I want you to notice, secondly, the righteousness of God's wrath. God is righteous in His wrath. We reap just what we sow. We don't reap what we don't sow. We reap what we sow, and we reap more than we sow, but we always reap later than when we sow. In Jeremiah 1, in Lamentations 1.19, the prophet puts his finger on the problem. He said, I call for my lovers, but they deceive me. My priests and mine elders, they died in the city while they sought their food to relieve their souls. Behold, O Lord, for I am in distress. My heart is troubled. Mine heart is turned within me, for I have grievously rebelled. Now, when we turn to anything but God, there's trouble. When a Christian turns to anything but God, there's trouble. And God's wrath is righteous. It is never wicked. The Bible tells us to sin, be angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. We sometimes are filled with indignation and anger, and our anger is fleshly and lustful and selfish. But God's judgment is never like that. God's judgment is always in righteousness. And it is always remedial to a Christian to try to draw us back. Thirdly, the truthfulness of God's word. He hath fulfilled his word. Lamentations 2.17. God said it. It's going to be done. God never promises something he doesn't get done. Then I want you to notice the tenderness of God's heart. Even brokenness over the sins of his people. God loves. He takes no pride in somebody that leaves God out of their lives. His heart is filled with tenderness, just as was Jeremiah's. And then the last thing is the faithfulness of God's mercy. That's what I want to dwell on for just a moment or two. I want to mention five areas of our lives where God is faithful. He is faithful in everything in your life. In Psalm 119, verse 75, there's a passage of Scripture that says a remarkable thing. Listen to this, Psalm 119. He says, verse 75, I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. God is faithful to the Christian, and he will not afflict us except in his faithfulness. And when Jeremiah cried out, it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. He was thinking and remembering that it was the faithfulness of God in the face of all kinds of calamity that he could trust God. Secondly, God is faithful to forgive. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Lord doesn't hold grudges. We hold grudges toward one another. You know, somebody hurts your feelings and you, you remember that. They come along and they say, well, you know, I'm sorry I did that. You say, well, sure, that's all right. And then deep down in your heart, you remember that. And you hatch up that grudge and you hang on to it and you hold on to it. 
and you practically never get restored to the right fellowship with that person again. Now, God isn't like that. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He'll forgive our transgressions and remember them against us no more. And you know what we do? We go to God and we ask His pardon. We ask His forgiveness for some strange thing that came into our life, some quick temper, some intemperament of living, some old habit that's come back upon us and, and seized upon us and caused us to do something we didn't mean to do. We come to God and ask Him to forgive us. <laughs> and we have God's promise. If you confess your sin, I'm faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And we go away from God and we still hold that sin against our own heart. We don't forgive ourselves. And there's an old finger pointing an accusing finger at our heart and we do not forgive ourselves and we live below the privileges of a forgiven triumphant Christian always allowing the devil to point his finger at some old weak spot in our past life God doesn't do that and so Jeremiah could say it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed his compassions are not like mine his compassions fail not they are new every morning Great is thy faithfulness. And then thirdly, he is faithful to sympathize. I'm so glad that's true. Turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Listen to what God says. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor or help them that are tempted. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14, 15, and 16, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession for we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus is sympathetic to our needs. Years and years ago, I don't mean to be personal, but I want to share this. We were at Camp Joy. We were having a quiet time. And the kids that were there were all sitting out, teenagers, they were sitting out by themselves 20, 30 feet from everybody else, and sitting on rocks and just on the grass and sitting around with their Bible, maybe a notebook. And after that, I spoke to one of the boys that was there doing that, and he said, you can never tell what will happen when a boy gets alone with God and his Bible. He wrote a very beautiful poem. That boy's in our service this morning. He's a man. Since that time, he's had a very hard heartbreak in his life. Here's what he wrote. God sympathizes 
in our heart needs. Listen. I looked upon his face in death, his body still devoid of breath. The tears of anguish blurred my eyes. To an almost forgotten God I cried. He looked beyond my dark despair and peace bestowed with loving care. And let me see that little boy whose life had filled my heart with joy as from mother's arms he rose above, safe in the arms of Jesus' love. So now I walk a different way to see God's will through every day that if my child through heaven's gates can look upon his daddy's face, he rejoice the way I run the race. That though the world may shun God's word, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to tell you, God is sympathetic with our heart cries. God is sympathetic with our needs. And he is able to save to the uttermost all who will come to God by him. He sympathizes. And then I want to tell you that God is faithful to deliver. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. God is faithful. We go through temptations. He is faithful to deliver thee. Our God is able to deliver thee. Last of all, God is able and faithful to keep us. He'll keep us. No matter what the problem. Be not dismayed, whatever betide, God will take care of you. God's going to keep us from generation to generation, from age to age, if you put your trust in him and let him keep you. Let him keep you. Let him help you. He'll be with you all the way. Now listen, I may be speaking this morning to some who feel like you're a failure, to some who feel like giving up, throwing in the towel, quitting. Jeremiah felt that way. He just wanted to quit it all. Everything that could happen to him had happened. His whole life's work gone down the drain. He spent 40 years. The reason we remember Jeremiah is not because he built a great church or because he announced repentance and judgment and the nation repented and turned to God. That's the way we remember Jonah. We remember Jeremiah because he wept so much. He didn't accomplish anything that he set out to accomplish except one thing. That was to serve God. Now I want to ask you, have you set life goals for yourself that you're not accomplishing? Maybe those goals were set in the wrong direction. Could you today say, I want a new goal. I want the goal of serving God, of honoring God. If he blesses it, great. If I get rich, great. If I have hundreds and thousands of friends, great. If I'm elected to great positions in my company, great. But if it has to be lonely, if I have to see those things that were the dearest and nearest to my heart dreams go down the drain, I'm still going to serve God. I'm still going to honor Him. I'm still going to worship Him. Oh, Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. That's what Jeremiah said. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. 
great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Let's bow our heads in prayer, and I will ask Jim to come and sing that song. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord my Savior. Jim, you find it. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you here today have never received Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to plead with you to open your heart to God. And just now, say, Lord, I'm going to turn away from sin, turn away from my own pet plans, turn away from the things that I want to do, and I'm going to do what God wants me to do with my life. I give it to Him. I give my disappointments to Him. I give my failures to Him. I give my victories to Him. But above everything, I want Jesus. Now the Lord Jesus died on the cross for our sins. It was his blood that was shed as an atonement for our sins. He is faithful to forgive your sins. Brother Jim, come and sing that. While we remain in prayer, just one stanza of that song, would you do it? Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever Will you turn there? We're going to sing the next stanza, 242. The invitation is very simple. God is great. God is faithful to keep every promise He has ever made. And I want to plead with you. If you have never put your trust in His faithfulness, do it today. Trust Him. Trust Him. Let Him have His way. No, I want that Hymn number 40, Great is Thy Faithfulness. That's the number we want, number 40. Great is thy faithfulness. I'm sorry, folks. Page 40. We want to sing the rest of that song. Page 40. Great is thy faithfulness. I want you to look at those words as we sing it. Everything that song says sums up what I've tried to say to you this morning. Now, I want to tell you, God, God is faithful. He will not break any promise He's ever made to you. There may be someone here today who'd have to say, you know, I've broken some promises to God. I haven't been very faithful to Him. I haven't served Him like I ought to. I've moved to this city. I don't have a church home here. Or 
I'm trying to serve God, but I've had some failures that I need to make these right. Or I've never given my heart to the Lord Jesus. And I want to trust him as my savior today. Will you do that? We're going to sing the second stanza. As we sing, open your life and heart to the Lord and let him have his way with you.